Today, I'm talking to Miranda Cady in Orlando, Florida, with Premier Sotheby's International Realty. Miranda is not just a real estate agent. She is also globally known as American abstract artist ML Cady, and she is internationally recognized for her vibrantly colored paintings. It is Miranda's love for art, design, and excellence, and national and global connectivity that differentiate her, not only in what she brings to the table, but in her ability to produce results. Miranda is not only well within the top 100 in all of Premier Sotheby's International Realty, her average sell price is $1,200,000 in her market, where the average sell price overall is $340,000, and the average sell price held by her brokerage is $600,000. Miranda's passion is art, business, connectivity, and contribution to her community. Realizing her talent and resources for real estate, she also saw a path to her goal of creating and connecting as a renowned artist globally. She saw that to achieve her dreams was not just an either or, but both. Miranda and I talk about how to create the career that exceeds your dreams. Thank you for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast was created for real estate agents across the country to come together, sharing ideas to take your, their, and our business to the next level. Our episodes are powered by Breakthrough Luxury Coaching and Membership. This is a coaching platform that was created and inspired by Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. At Breakthrough Luxury Coaching, this is coaching and membership that provides luxury real estate agents, community and coaching that create results. To learn more, go to getstarted.breakthroughluxury.com. To get the full story, go direct to the homepage at breakthroughluxury.com. There's a letter from me explaining how all of this came together, and this is now launched in a big part and powered by the Jerry Metcalf Podcast. Last but not least, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you, Modern Luxury Magazine, who's been there through the ups and downs and some of the greatest successes of my career as a real estate agent. At Modern Luxury, connection and community define who we are. Modern Luxury is the nation's largest media company offering leading brands access to the most affluent audiences in the most prominent cities across the United States of America. And lookbooklink.com, thank you for your sponsorship. This is the digital business card, your digital business card, and it's here. To see mine, go to lookbooklink.com forward slash JMP. Create your own with ease in minutes. You don't even need your kid's help. And you'll have a custom name and a custom QR code for sharing It shares not only your contact info, it shares key resources for your prospects as you meet people. Your prospects and people that you meet will not only never lose your information, they'll see right away why to hire and refer you without you saying a word. Go to lookbooklink.com and use promo code JMP123 for a 10% savings on every lookbook link you purchase. And now for the show. All right, everybody, it's the Jerry Metcalf podcast for top real estate agents tell how they do it. And today we have on the show Miranda Katie in Orlando, Premier Sotheby's International Realty. She's a top agent. Your average sales price, I'm going to fill everybody in quickly and then I'll let you say something. But average sales price is about $1.2 million in a market where the average sales price is about $340 in a company that is the holds the highest average sales price that's about $600. So you are a high achiever, you're in, you're well within the top 100 of Premier Sotheby's International Realty. So Miranda, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jerry. I'm really excited to speak with you today. I love what's happening here in Orlando Metro, and I'm just honored um, to be sharing this time with you. I love what we get to do in real estate, and hopefully we can inspire some other agents along the way. I love it. And I love your energy. So everybody, I have to share you just something personal by Miranda. So we've been chatting Except when she chats with me, she sends voice texts or voice. I, I like write back. Like I'm on a podcast, but I can't. And I just loved your energy. I'm like, I cannot wait Thank to you. like do this today. So here we go. 
Yeah, I've read somewhere in a business book, actually, that so much is interpreted through tone um, in addition to facial expression. So when we're sending text messages, I think sometimes we assume that our clientele and customers are reading between the lines, but sometimes, sometimes things can be misperceived and misjudged. So I try to send voice text whenever possible because it eliminates that misinterpretation. What makes it personal? It's like special. Uh, yeah, like they get, they get the mood, the energy, and you can kind of uplift them a little bit too, in addition to giving them the business news of the day. I love that. Okay, so tell us, Miranda, mm-hmm. why, how and why in the world did you become a real estate agent? What's the story? <laughs> That is a great question, Jared. And honestly, I think a lot of people would be surprised by the answer. Not only do I have a passion for people in business, but I'm an abstract painter and an artist. So for me, um, the opportunity to align myself with a brand that specially focuses on having the Sotheby's Auction House in London and New York, it was a no-brainer. I wanted to align myself in a place where art is valued. And uh, five years before I got my real estate license, I started kind of interviewing Sotheby's agents and asking them, like talking about talking shop and learning the ropes and how they got into the business and best practices and best strategies so that when I did get my license, I was ready to hit the ground running in this field. Um, Obviously with the hopes of hanging my artwork in some of the most expensive elite homes around the world via myself and my Sotheby's colleagues. And so far it's it's a mission that's working well in my favor. That's amazing. (laughs) So two things, number one, like you don't sound like an artist. You sound like a businesswoman. But number two, you're taking something because everybody says, don't be a jack of all trades, but you're taking your passion and you're driving it. You're not getting yourself pulled in two directions. You're reinforcing your passion into another passion because clearly you love homes and you can just tell talk to me. You love the business of being a real estate agent. I love it. Back in high school, I remember daydreaming about being an interior designer. So everything in life just kind of falls into place, right? You kind of have that Zen center of focus where you know who you are, you know what you're capable of doing. And I'm a natural innate connector. So it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, entrepreneurs in the business space within my city um, or buyers and sellers. It's natural for me to gravitate, find the different puzzle pieces and how can I get them to work together for synergy so everyone wins. So these are just things that come innate and I'm honored and blessed that I can do it here in this space. For me, art is a passion, but I think any good parent would tell you it's probably not the route to take for uh, building your legacy and your wealth. So for me, it was a long-term strategic vision. I mean, in theory, this is something I've always kept to myself, but inevitably when my paintings are in art collections amidst the Monets, the Picassos, whatever, when the kids are like, mom, dad, love you, hate your art taste. Uh, Let's pitch that, sell it, send it to Christie's, send it to Sotheby's. The goal is that my work will be amidst uh, those collections at that point in time and creating my own legacy. Um, It's it's really about curating a list of people who own my art and that list is growing uh, exponentially long and I'm very blessed for the names that are already on it. So for me, it's a passion that I get to do in my downtime um, when I'm not doing real estate transactions. And it just happens to have a synergistic effect effect where both uh, help each other in brand. Building. That's amazing. So yeah. being someone with two passions are kind of on mm-hmm. in many ways or on different ends of the spectrum. How did you know, like what guy, like, was it because most of us fall into real estate for the money. So I'm right. sure that had an appeal. <laughs> But still, like, how did you know it would work? What drew you to I, it? I didn't, I didn't know it would work. It was really a shot at a dream. And I just realized I was very good at it. I'm good at authentically listening to people, observing, taking in. So when I'm in someone's home, you know, I'm analyzing everything. So some people will say that the best look into someone's life is if you peek in their fridge or their closet, right? So when we're in someone's home, we get a really good feel for who they are. So even, even when I'm pairing up my art, I'm very attuned to what pieces they currently have have in their collection. And if there's something that I have back at home that matches that aesthetic. Now, when it comes to real estate, it's being attuned to how they live their life, how they play in that space, hearing them and what their intrinsic motivations are. What are their objectives? What are they trying to achieve? Downsizing, upsizing, relocating, and Mm -hmm. helping them find the next best step so they can accomplish their dreams. I think it's about just authentically listening, being present and feeling a need in either space. So it happens to work synergistically for both in my case. So clearly you've kind of found your path and you're on it, but I bet it wasn't just like, you didn't just land there. No, no. So how, like, how did you figure it out and how did this all come together? Like what's like clearly the, 
shit hit the fan. This is a podcast. Sorry for everybody offended. But to get to the point, like at some point listening to your story, there had to be like this moment of like what what I love isn't really working to align. Like the passions aren't aligning. So you reeled them in and pulled them together so beautifully. Yeah. What was the story? What was the moment? So there definitely is this catalytic point in life where you kind of step back and view everything from a bird's eye view. And for me, I'm huge on self-motivational books, inspirational speeches, podcasts like yours, great books. So, you know, it's really about even, even the book, I love Good to Great. If you haven't read Good to Great yet, absolutely it. It's kind of about having a hedgehog focus. And for those of you who have read the book, you'll understand what I'm saying. If you haven't go read it, it's amazing. Um, versus this kind of Fox mentality. The Fox is very tricky, always looking for a different modus operandum and a different move. Um, oftentimes spreading itself too thin and exhausting itself of its resources, but a hedgehog buckles down, has one strategy A to Z. And for me, it was just getting rid of the excess, anything that was a distracting deterrent. So I might not paint every day. Maybe I paint a few times a month, but everything I do is a habit, a routine and a schedule so that that way it's predictable. I can recreate and it's about having dedicated actions, dedicated goals and doing consistent daily work for those outcomes. That's whether it's real estate or art. That's how I've had the most success is just by being consistent and investing in the hard work. Most people will see the success and what happens on the outside and those aha moments where it's like, oh my gosh, she just came up out of nowhere overnight. But they didn't see the 10 years of labor ahead of time, planning, structuring, marketing plans, campaigns, connecting with my Sotheby's agents or fellow colleagues in the real estate industry at high performing teams throughout the country, getting on those phone calls, having those conversations, you know, sometimes three, four hours a day when I was starting my career before I got busy with clientele. So that's what kind of, that? yeah. Well, because we're going to get back to what really happened. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, let's fast forward to where you are now, because you're yeah. giving a lot of hints and help us know. So now you're in a market, you're in Orlando, and you're in a market where we're, we want to talk about a few things. As many markets, we're creating, we're watching new normals all over the place. Many markets are emerging because COVID and many other things happen and are just people are moving. Mm-hmm. Your career is doing the same thing. But in that, over the years, you talk about You've built your network. You've built a network across agents across the country in Sotheby's. And as we talked about offline, even outside of Sotheby's. And so in doing that, you have become this great resource to, we always say like, know what you're good at. You're good at helping people learn and welcoming people who are moving to Orlando. Absolutely. Give us like, what does it look like today? What do you love about it? And then I want to go backwards and see how you figured this out. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to set up the framework. For me, in order to broach or have those conversations with top performing agents, you you know, um, Tomer Friedman in LA, right? Like Kevin Brown in New York. In order to get in front of them, I knew I had to be an expert at my own community. So early on, it started with um, daily commitments to reading articles in Orlando Business Journal or Growth Spotter, finding out who the heavy hitters are here in my community throughout different industries, and really becoming an expert and knowing the pulse of what's happening in Orlando. Um, at this point, being on the forefront of all the tech growth and all the things happening, like Orlando Economic Partnership is working at moving um, the center of the metaverse to Orlando and creating a tech hub triangle between Tampa, Miami, and Orlando Metro. So between everything happening transportationally in our community, in addition to industries relocating their headquarters here from Palo Alto, Seattle, et cetera, it was being the area expert and knowing what no other agent could know about what was happening here and now. So that when I'm having an intelligent conversation with another agent in their market, we can discuss the synergies, which corporations are relocating, which chief executives are moving and on the go, which billionaires in my market have a $90 million dollar estate in Pacific Palisades in their market. Like maybe their home here is only 10 million, but I know that they have a 30,000, uh, excuse me, $30 million estate in um, Big Sky, Montana at Yellowstone Club. You know, it's, it's about having the inside information and knowing what's happening behind the scenes so that you can be that trusted resource. And when they're trusting a cross-country re- relocation that's sometimes being purchased sight unseen, they know they're in good hands with me and that I'm going to take good care of them and get them in the neighborhood that's in the right the right fit in addition to the city because it might be they're better suited for Tampa or Sarasota or Fort Myers and it's knowing my state 
in addition to my market, my metro market. So I would say just educating yourself every single day so that you are performing at top tier peak where no one else can outrun you. So it comes down to create the habits that make you an expert. And to be an expert, you need to have the inside scoop on your market. You also need to have the inside scoop on your market and other people, other people in your market and other people in your, and there are two resources there. Where is everybody going out? Where are they coming from? And when they come here, I may not be their first choice and not being attached to that and offering them options of, hey, this city in Florida, if you're coming to Florida, because Florida is definitely a target state for a lot of people, like look at this city. And here is the person, by the way, to talk to in this city. So you've brought together this whole package. Mm -hmm. Now, you started this way before COVID happened from what I can tell or right for COVID. It's why I was able to kind of surf the wave where other agents got tackled by it and found themselves drowning. I was able to surf and ride because I was already prepared for that migration. It was something I was already focused on cross-country relocations. And I already knew my feeder markets and migration patterns. So New York and uh, DC, Boston on the East Coast are some of our biggest feeder markets into Orlando Metro with Atlanta falling a little bit behind that. When you go over to the West Coast, it's San Francisco, LA, and Seattle. So it's about having the pulse point, watching the migration patterns, understanding who's doing what and how you can connect. I mean, I could talk to people in Scottsdale, Arizona all day long. I love it. They have a great golf community. I'm a huge car enthusiast. So the RM Sotheby's auctions and Barrett Jackson have my heart, but real in reality there's not a lot of flow between those spaces i know some great agents there but there's not a lot of traction back and forth not yet we could create it but right now so do you find yourself getting in the plane and going there or what's the best way yeah Yeah. So frequently I go to as many networking events as possible. I aim for at least quarterly, sometimes monthly. Honestly, I try to get out of the state and on a plane on the ground in other markets in another state, in another market, tour the estates and mansions. I've, I've been able to tour some of Tomer Friedman's estates um, throughout Beverly Hills and LA. They're incredible. Those 50 and $150 million uh, estate mansions are mind-blowing and mind-boggling. At this stage, we don't have a lot of that product here in the Orlando metro area. That doesn't mean that that won't change in the years to come as our city grows up and becomes something really magnificent. That's awesome. So it's about going to see people and going to convention, going to conventions where there are other agents present to meet other agents in other markets, and then also going and learning the markets. So let's rewind. When you became an agent, did you come in? Did you come into this business knowing this was going to be your approach, or did you discover it? I discovered it. Um, I. I think like young, many young, naive agents, I thought the business was going to fall in my lap. I, uh, I genuinely thought I was going to sign up with Sotheby's and the calls were just going to come trickling in like, oh, you got your license. Here's your book of business, right? right. So it's a tough learning curve. Um, I'm grateful and thankful to be tenacious and I'm one to never give up. So I just really dug in and I did the work. Ironically, I think it is funny. I do see some people um, wanting the results but not willing to put in the effort. And even here in my market, I'm an open book. I'm happy to share with everyone how I've done what I've done, how I do what I do every day. I really don't see many people willing to invest the time, energy, and resources to have the outcome that I've achieved. It really takes daily dedication and strategic planning with your marketing, with your relationships, and with your time. Well, you've not only won business, you've won business at a higher price, you know, for almost four times the average price in your market. Is that, does that business, does that business come more from, is it the referrals from outside of the state? Is that where most of it's coming from or where do you get it from? Both, both. Um, So I strategically understand that uh, I really believe in like the 80-20 rule or more so probably the 90-10 rule. 90% of my business comes from 10% of my clientele. So two things, one, relocations and referrals have been a great source of incoming traffic at higher price points. Um, Most notably, ironically, from my home state of Minnesota, I guess people like to evade the cold weather. Um, But then also- Um, focusing on IPOs. Orlando Metro has had a few really significant companies go public. And when someone's worked their entire career 
on taking something public, they usually have certain things they've been saving for or planning for, a certain kind of estate they want to live in, a certain kind of vacation property they want to buy, a certain car they want to drive. And once they've hit that aha moment, they typically reward themselves. So I've been honored to be intimately connected with a high profile performing company here that went public and I've helped many of their executives um, either relocate here from other states. Uh, most notably, there was a VP of legal who formerly worked hand in hand with Elon Musk at Tesla. I got to help him find an Orlando home. Oh, how fun. Oh, Jerry, yeah. I love this story actually though. So oh, in the midst of the most competitive seller's market that anyone's seen to date, right? And we're shopping yeah. this lakefront property. It's this beautiful, like great Gatsby style art deco home. It was actually really cute. Like the right person would have paid top dollar for it. Um, that being said, my specific buyer wanted to do some things differently. So for him, the value and the price point was really the land and the lake. So his offer, we ended up pitching an offer. I was a little bit embarrassed to put it in immediately, but we pitched an offer that was basically the land value. So they had it listed at 2.95 originally, um, mm -hmm. or, excuse me, 2.5. They came down to 2.95 right before we put our offer in. We got it under contract for just over 2 million and ended up closing and negotiating down a couple of times. It was a 2.2 million. Wow. And it down, we closed at 2.02. .02. We got him like 30% off of the value yeah. of the most competitive seller's market. And we're able to just by strategically consistently, uh, when we put in the original offer, they pulled it from the market. They were so offended with their offer. They pulled the property from the market, which actually worked to our advantage because then we didn't have any competition. Remove the competition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was just really interesting the way that it played out. But that was like a big trophy moment to be able to secure something um, significantly under market value in such a competitive seller's market. So it's about being diligent. It's about being thoughtful and it's about being persistent. And when, so when you connect, for example, executives, is it about going a lot of people go to the company is it about how do you, where and how have you found your best connectivity is it through other agents is it through your contacts in orlando and identifying those companies or how, what's your like what is the lens that you look through all of the above a really macroscopic lens and then going micro when something grabs my interest when when you see movement on something then i pay attention but Originally, it started with reading the Orlando Business Journal, finding out who like the top 100 performers, the 100 most powerful people in my city were, you know, what they were excelling and performing at going to the events where these people are right, like being present in public, going to the galas, going to the nonprofit fundraisers being at the sporting events, being seen in public with the people you know, like, and trust and building that network and circle. Um, I think within three years of living in Orlando, I had the mayor's cell phone number in my phone, right? It, it's about yeah. you know, connecting in meaningful ways and always adding value to their, to them, to their relationships and being a point of contact. We're not just connecting sellers and buyers and real estate transactions. We are being the source of connection throughout the city. So if I know of something that can help their business propel to the next level on a certain category, I go ahead and make that introduction. So you're becoming an asset, an ally, and a resource and one degree of separation away from everything they're trying to achieve. That's my goal. Exactly. I love that. That approach is being in front of them. And I noticed you said in public, but being present in public and being their asset, their ally, and their resource. Mm -hmm. Because once you've done that, you that's that like that's where people miss it. Like don't withhold. That's the interview. Yes, yes. It's, the asset, the ally, and resource. Or how else is it going to happen? I love I love hearing conversations about like what do you do at the listing presentation and the interview to set yourself apart. I'm like. I very rarely have competition. Exactly. Like I, I show up and we're signing documents and they never interviewed any other agents because they just knew that I was going to be the resource to get it done the most efficiently for them and get them the outcome that they wanted. And, and really, when you think about it, at that level and the caliber exactly. that you're playing at, time is money. They have all the money they need. They don't need more money. They need more time. So when you can cut out and be the resource and the ally saving them steps in their other ventures, whether they're doing, you know, they might be doing a funding round for their company they're taking public or some joint venture. If, if you're a resource and an ally and you have the access to who's doing what, where, and who's interested in what, you can cut out a lot of middlemen and a lot of wasted time for them and be at the top of mind when it comes to anything they want to do in your city. Exactly. So we're done now. That was a great interview. I'm kidding. 
but that was the best. Like, <laughs> that's it. That's beautiful. Thank that was so beautifully you. said. But I think even drive to drive it home. Yeah. Everybody says, I need the listing presentation. How do I get the listing appointment? You don't want the listing appointment. You oh. want the business. Yeah. You get the business, be their ally, be their resource, be their asset. And you're and the competition goes away. Because I, if you I, have to go to a listing appointment, you might that's a that's a lot of time. Now then you like, do I need to no, I don't need to keep going. Exactly. And you know, that doesn't work for every market. There's some markets that are much more proper and structured, like maybe New York or Boston, where it's expected the interview process. But for mine in Orlando, it's a little bit more relaxed. It's about who yeah. you know and showing up immediately. So um, very oftentimes I'll just get a text message. Hey, can you shoot me over that paperwork? And they're filling out the paperwork on dot loop and it's done the next morning and we're ready to go shoot photography and videography. Like sometimes the process really is that easy. I think sometimes we kind of get in our own way and make it more complicated than it needs to be. And a lot of that excess can really be eliminated. Um, I don't know if anyone's read the book effortless. Greg McEwen actually spoke with us at level up, um, at Pacific. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Amazing. Great key note speaker. Uh, he spoke with us at Ranches Palace Verdes when we were there at Terranea. It was an incredible networking event, but you know, it's about cutting out the excess steps. Sometimes we make things more complicated because we want to put the gold star on our chest or our back and feel like, you know, we did something exceptional when oftentimes we're doing more work than is what what's required of us. So make it as simple as possible, systematize it so you can rubber stamp it and repeat it more efficiently. Exactly. Effortless. And he also wrote um, essentialism. Yes. I think he wrote essentialism first. Possibly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was about doing what's essential. And then he was still like, yes. he said, I felt like such a hypocrite. So he's <laughs> like, it's not just essential, but how to make what's essential effortless. Yes. Yeah. And that was, that's a great book. Okay. So in your career, as you've gone through being an artist to realizing and finding this path and being an agent and being such a great connector and businesswoman, and now you're bringing, you're going to bring everything in this all aligning. What has been, because what a unique path, what has been your biggest lesson or biggest challenge and lesson that came of it? Question. Great question. Um, I pride myself in providing concierge luxury service to any customer at any price point. Like I go above and beyond consistently. One thing that I was not prepared for with the exponential growth that I had was having enough structure in place uh, within a team so that it wasn't solely reliant on me. It made me very aware. You know, there are days in at the peak of uh, busyness where I'm texting, literally just texting, not emails, phone calls, all the rest of it, 40 to 60 people a day. It is unsustainable, not only from a health standpoint, but also from a business practicality standpoint, when you have that level of concierge service, you need a support system, a team, and um, more people to rely on. So I think one of the errors we tend to make in this industry, and I know some agents excel at it. They, they can control their business independently. Um, one of my favorites in Asheville, um, I, I won't brag too much about name dropping other people's names, but um, there's an agent in Asheville who does everything independently and she's a powerhouse. Like she knocks it out of the park every single time on every transaction. But I know for me, being a mother of three teenagers, sometimes I need to refocus and give them my attention too. So I'm currently in the process of teaching a team everything I know. It's my goal to make them 10 times better than I've ever been in the industry, giving them all the tools, resources, and data to excel and succeed between the tech tools that I use privately that have helped my business grow, uh, in addition to just systems and operations. So I'm currently in a phase of training, mentoring, coaching, and growing some really incredible power players here in my market. That's awesome. So you're in the midst of building. Are you yeah. just like, as you build, well, let's get back to your lesson. Your lesson is I can't do it on myself. I need to streamline because I'm all about white glove service, concierge service, which means there's some things that need to be streamlined. So they get more of the part of me that they need, want, and brings the money and brings the value. Yes. So, so in the meantime, no, go ahead. No, I, some agents do that specifically with admin staff, but I really believe in diversifying because we focus more on a buyer clientele. We also do high-end luxury listings and have excelled in that space, but um, I want carbon copies of me as good as me and better. That's the goal. So yeah, I've definitely diversified in that way this year. 
we're taking advantage of the slow summer months. Uh, summer typically tends to be a slower season. So we're utilizing this space and time to hit the ground running come fourth quarter and next year. So we get a lot of questions yeah. like about team structure. So as you build your team, I like how, I love how I'm like, I do this. I want to ask three questions at the same yeah, time. Yeah, go ahead. Can't do that. But how? What structure are you creating, and what are you modeling it after an agent, or how did you? Where's the strategy? What's the strategy, and yeah. how did you create it? Great question, Jared. I think it's so important when you're building a team, not only to know who you are and what you're trying to achieve, but to know who you're not. And for me, the focus of building a team has never been to have my face on everything. I don't want to be the power player rainmaker, you know, that's in front of everyone. I picture the team structure for me personally to be more of an Arthur in the Knights of the Round Table. I want collaborative communication. I want to see everyone's clear and distinct unified vision and then see where the overlapping sectors lie and how we can excel strategically as a whole. So it was really about pinpointing the right people with the right mindset, um, individuals who already excelled at being self-driven um, and self-motivated intrinsically, not people that I have to babysit or coach or teach necessarily. People who, when I give them all the tools and resources, will run with it outside of me having to push. I'm not pushing, I'm not pulling, they are running along alongside me. So that's really the structure. I've seen a lot of team structures. I know a lot of people do the typical listing agent, buyer's agent. I don't really see that working for the model that I've created. Instead, we've decided to divide the nation into East Coast, Midwest, West Coast. Each of my agents gets to become an expert um, within their coastal region and build intimate relationships with agents. So East Coast is focused on New York, Boston, DC, Atlanta. Okay. Midwest is focused on Minneapolis, Chicago, Dallas, oh. right? and then West Coast, you're focusing on Seattle, um, San Francisco, LA. So, so to bring clarity to what you're talking about for everybody listening, what you're talking about is your business is coming from other agents referring you from other parts of the country. So you're creating a team of people who specialize and understand different parts of the country so that when they bring clients in or sell to clients coming from those markets when you have listings, because it's a huge asset when you have agents who understand other markets to be able to position your properties to all markets, by the yes. way, because yes. listings. But the, but you're talking about a team of people who, because we've got a, we've got a new normal mm -hmm. of everybody's coming from everywhere across the country right. to everywhere, but especially to Florida. There was actually yeah. just an article in the Wall Street Journal about this. And, is, and when they're coming in to Florida, it's about understanding where they're coming from. Yes. And what's important and how to talk to them, which we said that, but now you, because I'm saying the same things, I'm going to stop y'all, but they're coming from different parts of the country, having people assigned to different, but you're still in Orlando. You're not creating a team in New York and a team in, no, I, no. Yeah. I love that. I love it, that. Yeah. And you nailed it. Like to bring it home and hit it on the head, exactly what you just described. Let's just say we have, we get a call from someone selling their property in Boston. They have a brownstone in the back bay, right? It's understanding that those people have to pay for parking. They might have one parking spot, two parking spots is exponentially a bonus and the property value soars, right? It's about knowing the market. Nice. In the city. So if they're used to brownstone living in a townhome or, or um, a single family home in that structure, it's understanding the walkability, the green spaces of what they have access to. What neighborhoods are like that here in Orlando? We only have two in all of Orlando Metro that even come close to that. So, you know, you really have to understand where people are going to want to relocate to. Oftentimes they want a similar feel to where they've come from. Sometimes they want something completely different like beach living, right? And we have coasts on each, either side. In Orlando, we have um, the East Coast, Atlantic is just 45 minutes away. We have the West wow. Coast, all side beaches an hour and 15 minutes away. Why that's so that's important. crazy, isn't it? Yeah. If they're surfers, they want Atlantic coast. They're not going to want to go to the Gulf Coast. There's no real good surfing on yeah. the Gulf. You can go wakeboarding. You can go wake surfing, but the like Gulf board. Like, yeah, exactly. So we really do have to understand, like, right? Yeah, and you mentioned relocation patterns into the state of Florida. NAR, National Association of Realtors, just ranked Orlando Metro as the fastest growing metro region in the nation for commercial real estate in Q1 of 2022. Why that's so huge for residential real estate? 
The commercial is naturally going to trickle into uh, the residential sector as you see more office space going up, believe it or not. Yeah. Orlando's office space has only had an 8% occupancy rate all through COVID. Mind-blowing. Wow. We outperformed yeah. Miami by 10 points on the National Association of Realtors scale when they were measuring commercial real estate. So we're going to see a huge influx. We, we beat out all other four major metropolitan markets throughout the state, Tampa, Sarasota, Fort Myers, so, Jacksonville. This is the part of the interview where I just bring my husband on because he actually, he actually does office tenant rent all over the country, but he's yeah. based in Atlanta because... Yeah. But he, I, I'm like, yeah, I, I overhear conversations about that's it, right? I love now, it. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I'm, so I love what I get to do here. Yeah. Each agent is going to specially focus on knowing and understanding not only the agents in the other cities, but the layouts of the cities and the lifestyle of the cities. Um, jumping on Zoom calls, much like this interview here, they're going to be required to do two to three interviews a week um, until they build up a really solid expertise in that realm. Um, the people on my team are already experts in Tampa, St. Pete, and Clearwater. In addition to here, they own properties there. They've lived there before. I formerly lived in Sarasota. Yeah. So I lived on the Gulf Coast in Sarasota for like a decade. So we really genuinely are experts on Central Florida and the coastlines. So we can speak to if you want to live in a different region throughout the state. We're happy to tell you if that's the lifestyle you want. We know it. We know the restaurants. We know the dining. We know the shopping. We know the schools. So, okay. yeah. Question. So question. Of course. Two things. What you're talking about. I want to restate what you said and then ask you a question about what you said. Yeah. So like to bring it home, it's all about getting it. Marketing's about attention. Mm -hmm. But everybody can get attention. Now it's the right kind of attention with the right people. So what are the trigger points? When you're selling Orlando, it's about the beaches and the coast and the office space. When it's about a property, it's about highlighting the parking and the features to someone in New York City is going to, you're going to grab their attention. Yes. Somebody in Orlando, like parking's parking. But if you're from New York, you say parking. I know they, they're moving to Orlando. It's everywhere, but it's how you highlight it to draw them in, to get them to the right property, or at least to the right agent. Brilliant. And if you're a car collector, not only can you have a three car garage here for a very affordable price point, you can have a 20 car garage and we have properties right. like that. So if and you happen to know, right. And you happen to get to them first yep. or they get yeah. to you first, which is even better. To give you a price point comparison right now, I just had the pleasure of showing uh, one of the most expensive listings on the Winter Park chain of lakes this last Friday. On the Winter Park chain of lakes, on Lake Maitland, on one of the most private exclusive neighborhoods in 12 Oaks, you can get four acres on the water, lakefront, recreational chain of lakes, boatable to the racket club across the way. You're going to love this price point. It is a 16,000 square foot home, exquisite property, 16 million. That's it. Right. That's right. it. You know, see, like <laughs> 16 million in Orlando two years ago was too much money. Right, right. But sixteen million Orlando now is a sweet deal. Not to Absolutely. kill your sales pitch, like absolutely sabotaging. Yeah, the problem. Okay, the property can be subdivided. It's four. But I, you get four acres on the water for something. Right, like and not only that, it drives the point home of how our markets and every, this is why and how our markets are changing everywhere. Now absolutely. back to the. I'm going to go backwards. I have a question, and it, you, it may have caught the attention. I know some people are listening or are asking this. You said your agents are required to do. I think it was two or three interviews a week. Now, is that interviews with new clients, interviews with you to make sure they're on the market? Like, what are, what are those interviews? Interviews with other agents to understand what's happening around the country. Ah. So forefront of expertise, not only about what's happening in Orlando Metro, but understanding traffic flows okay, so, uh, throughout the nation. So now, yeah, your big interview with us. <laughs> because here's what everybody. So mm -hmm. here's what. Here's the next question. How are you going to track all of this and keep up with it? I guess that's why you have different people, first of all. But do you have a system? Like, what are the systems that keep all of your ducks in a row? Much like yourself, Jer, I started doing some interviews with folks at the beginning of COVID with industry leaders throughout the country. Those fun people on um, on LinkedIn and Facebook with the blue checks by their name. Um, I did a right. Of coping with and growing through uh, our, our new normal or COVID-19, right? Yeah. I asked them, and this was like in March, just after all this started happening, when it was very fresh, like we're working from home. What does that look like? What tips do you have to survive this? And so I set up a system through- Survive, honey. I was thriving. COVID was my favorite. But anyway, not COVID, but 
I love like the time at home. Back to your thing point. So you're asking everybody like, how, what are you doing? How are you adjusting to the changes? And so we set up these interviews, scheduling them does take time. You, you and I both know that it's a commitment, but if you use links like Calendly, you can send out an email to people, follow up in a text right. message and um, get back. And then here's we're recording the zoom calls. We're recording yeah. that one. We want to be able to focus back on it, but two, we want our clientele to know that we are the experts on global traffic and relocation. So we're going to be posting those up on our YouTube channel. Oh, awesome. Show, don't tell people you're the most connected agent Show throughout them. the world. Show them. And you've done that with this podcast. You've been yeah. acceptable at doing that. So we're just kind of reformatting that so that our clientele can become their own kind of expert at what's happening. Maybe maybe they want a ski vacation property in Vail. Maybe we focus on one week specifically on ski properties as we're going into the fall, right? Maybe as we yeah. go into the summer, we're focusing on mar um, excuse me mountain retreats so people can escape the Florida heat. But there will be a system and a theme so that we can become experts in addition. And, and it's really just That's sharing awesome. resources and that knowledge with our customer base. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I did it in a different way. I did it like I'm doing it now. Like I'm talking to real estate agents, but it's ridiculous. I didn't do this to generate more business. I did it to get out of the business, but it just generated more business. And finally I'm out now. I'm finally coaching everybody who hasn't heard, or it's probably in the intro to this about breakthrough luxury, but it was unreal what it does for your business. When you yeah. just reach out and learn and grow and it's crazy, yeah. learn, serve, grow. So, now we're going to hone in on the final three questions. Okay. I'm here for it. First, what do you think has been your most powerful tool or resource in your success and rapid growth? Wow. I would have said something completely different years ago. I think listening, listening, being present and paying attention, listening to what people are saying, listening to the market and just really paying attention. That has, that has really, I've made intuitive decisions I never thought I would have made if I had had my blinders on and not been present in the moment, paying attention to what's going on around me and really hearing what people were saying, I would have taken my business in a completely different direction. And I think because I was attuned to what's happening, paying attention and listening, I was able to adapt, pivot and grow. So two things. I'm going to ask you the questions at the same time yeah. and then answer them one at a time. The two questions are, you said, I would have said something different a few years ago. The first, don't answer this yet. What would that answer have been? And the second one is you said, if I hadn't listened, I would have taken my business in a completely different direction. What business would you have taken it in? So back to the first question, what would you have said a few years ago? I probably would have said my connections, um, that I have more connections worldwide than most agents in the industry and not just through Sotheby's connections. Um, I'm connected to some high profile uh, family foundation heads, some high profile folks who own companies um, because of my art and writing and other things and um, some of my upbringing with my family. I have the fortune of being very established. I am great at building relationships with people, but I think it doesn't matter how great that relationship is. If you're not paying attention to what the person needs, it's irrelevant. So um, yes, connections are amazing to have. It's fantastic to be able to open doors where other people can't, but if you don't know how to walk through them and how to converse on the other side, once you're in the room, um, it's really irrelevant. Great advice. Now, is there, well, I'm going to ask the other question. They want to add more. This is supposed to be final three and it's final 10 now. So, but that's what I love about the final three. It does this. So the other, the other part of that was you said, had I not listened, I would have taken my business in a very different direction. What do you think, what would that direction have been? What would have happened? Interesting. I probably would have followed a more traditional route, right? I probably would have um, gone with the structure of, you know, being the rainmaker and being the business uh, leader in the, I, I don't want to say the Tom Ferry style, but there are a lot of different models of how you're yeah. supposed Well, I would argue you are the rainmaker. You're just not rainmaking in the the tradition, the way people think, what people, could, what people associate to rainmaking isn't the same thing as what you do. You're definitely... You're rainmaking, bringing it in. 
right? You're rain making diamonds instead of poop or whatever. I, I mean, right? <laughs> like, love my analogies. Like I say, shit hits the fan. You say catalyst. That's what you're here for. Anyway, we have two, right? Whatever. I'm having fun with you now. Yeah. Who knows um, what direction uh, things yeah. are on, but I'm really happy with where things are at. I, I'm really satisfied with the type of people I get to surround myself with. And, um, you know, it really is. It's about creating a legacy so, and a brand that you're proud of. And, and honing on that again, because I love your answer and listening. And in that, I'd love for you to share for a minute when you say that, there's so much out there about this is my script, 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 script. And those things work when you're selling a different kind of property. But when you're selling four times your market as an average sales price and double your brokerage that already holds the highest average sales price, that probably has a lot to do with listening. Now, here's the question. People think they're listening and then there are people who are listening. When and how did you discover the difference and what is it? A lot of it's about eye contact and connection. When you're present with someone, when you're in the flow with them, you feel it. I think the biggest key indicator is when you're really genuinely listening, time tends to stand still. Are you ever in one of those really amazing moments? Go back to a, an amazing first date or, you know, a, a magical wedding or some kind of moment in your life where you were so- I am not dating or marrying my clients, okay? <laughs> no, 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 don't, don't do that, don't do that. But maybe you're in this space where you're so engaged that time either tends to go really slow or really fast. You are just so present in the moment. It's not easily interrupted. And when you're there and you cut out that space and that time for your clientele, you can tell that they're fully engaged and they'll just keep talking to you and you can just keep asking questions. And there's just this flow. If, if there's no flow, you can feel it. You're just asking questions and it's a blank wall. You're wasting your time. You're right. wasting time. So when you're in tune and in this rhythm, it just conversation naturally flows. You're paying attention. You're here. You're present. If, if you're not, and you're faking your way through a list of questions or an interview. So, so I great. have a rule for myself. I will not do anything for a customer or client that I don't want done to me. Call it my, it's like a golden rule, right? I don't send emails I don't like getting. I don't send 4th of July happy. I, I hate getting holiday emails because every day I go to my inbox the next day and it's like, click, delete. And now you've got to delete them all. Oh, and Why? I don't have that feeling. I don't ever want someone to see my name and feel that feeling. And I know it works for a lot of people. I'm not discounting or discrediting for those that it works for. Amen to you. God bless you. I don't stop I, if it works, but yeah, you make a I, good point. Yeah. Me. So when, when pitches and uh, sales presentations and scripts, I hate them. Like disc profile, I'm a high D, I'm a high driver on the disc profile. Anyone who knows disc profile, Ds hate being sold. Most of our clientele at the upper echelon, they are where they are because they're a driver. I think it's a little bit more rare to see Ss or Cs, not atypical, but more rare. So when you're talking to someone at that upper echelon and upper caliber, don't waste their time. Get to the point. Be upfront about what you're trying to achieve. Very rarely will a script work, in my opinion. I haven't, I haven't utilized it because I'm not comfortable with it, but I haven't really seen it work either. For some, it might. Again, I'm not saying that this is the status quo, but for me, it's uncomfortable, unnatural. Doesn't mean I don't have a system or a rhythm of what I'm trying to uncover and discover. I have certain answers that I'm looking for and seeking, but I don't necessarily have a script on how to achieve that. So here's what you just said, because I love how you talked about, I'm writing down what you said, I don't remember. <laughs> but you talked about how, what it's like to listen, but I'm like, yeah, but that sounds like when you're not listening too, because it can take forever when you're not listening and you want to be somewhere else. But you brought it home because you started talking about empathy. And then you started talking about, you know, when you're listening, you're identifying and looking for what they're feeling and you're coming an approach of uncovering and discovering things. And if I'm coming at trying to remember a script and what to say when they say what, like, what am I uncovering other than like, I'm trying to memorize, I'm not engaging. Your next question should be off of their last answer, right? Like if you're engaged and you're paying attention, you're going to ask a relevant question based on what they just said versus what you're trying to Well, now, to if you have a really good script, you <laughs> can have an answer for every answer and a script for every answer. And then you want to talk about being preoccupied and time going by slowly or five. 
beautiful. Anyone who excels at a script, high five for me. Uh, you're you're better in that realm than and I. And there are some great people at scripting, yeah, but it's the art of like listening. Yeah. When you're a great scripter, the interesting thing is it's really because you were listening. Yeah. Okay, next question. So, is there a book? that you would recommend. We talked about effortless and we talked about, now I can't remember what the other one was and I want to, because it was a good one. Oh, good to great. Good to great. So effortless. Yeah. what is the one book in life or career that is just like, this is a game changer? The standard go-to, the number one book, if you're going to be on my team or likely even in my friend circle, you've probably read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, period. Okay. That book has come up like three times in a row in the show, and it didn't come up for a year, I think. Yeah, it's a great but one. How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie. Yeah, I, I feel like someone, a great, a great entrepreneurial aspect of it. I'm not sure where the copyrights and um, royalties are on it, but if someone wants to retitle that book, it does need a new title for today's time frame. <laughs> But it's so relevant. If you can't be customer centric, if you can't put the person in front of you before yourself in any of your relationships, you know? So secondly, the go-giver, right? Like be a go-giver. Yeah. Um, I had the chance of meeting Bob Berg at the Breakers during the premiere Sotheby's big celebration for top producers. And you really do. You have to put yourself in the other person's shoes. You have to make sure that they feel honored and respected. And from mm -hmm. that, all great things happen. I love when you said, put yourself in their shoes. And more importantly, you said, make sure they feel honored and respected. It's awesome. That's like everything. At least that's awesome. Okay. Last question. As we reflect on our conversation today, and we, let's just say, we're going to forget everything. And you had one thing to choose that we were going to take away. What is it? Be authentic and true to yourself and follow your heart. Like, cause in that all great things will happen. And I haven't said that at all during this, but really genuinely that's, that's where you'll be your best self, whether it's in real estate or outside of that. So just be authentic and true to yourself. Awesome. Miranda Katie in Orlando with Premier Sotheby's. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Wow. It was so much Thank fun. Thank you for your time. I love this interaction and I can't wait to see you in Atlanta soon. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. If you like this episode, please share it with friends. To find more episodes, search Jerry Metcalf podcast on any platform for podcasts or go to jerrymetcalfpodcast.com. That's J-E-R-E-M-E-T-C-A-L-F podcast.com. Podcast